Men, Jim McAuliffe wishes us all a Merry Christmas. What's merry about all this, you ask? Just this. We've stopped cold everything that's been thrown at us from the north, east, south, and west. Now, two days ago, the German commander demanded our honorable surrender to save the USA encircled troops from total annihilation. The German commander received the following reply. To the German commander, nuts! Giving our country and our loved ones at home a worthy Christmas present and being privileged to take part in this gallant feat of arms, we're truly making for ourselves a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all and God bless you. Nuts, yes, sir. Nuts! 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 folks welcome to the man cave movie review the podcast that reviews the good the bad and the ugly of movies for men this is episode 219 i don't have my glasses on so um hard to read my script today we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh as you know in the past uh during the christmas season we've done a man cave movie that has a christmas theme but you know what? After about uh, going on six years, we're kind of running out of Man Cave movie reviews of uh, Man Cave movies with Christmas themes. I mean, you got Bad Santa, but I don't think I'm ever going to want to do Bad Santa. So um, on a recommendation from one of uh, the Man Cave movie review uh, crew members, we're going to be doing uh, a review of two episodes of a great and fantastic series called Band of Brothers. And we've talked about it before on this show. So we're going to talk about two episodes. Uh, there's Bastogne and Breaking Point. And these took place during the Battle of the Bulge, which, uh, as you probably know, took place during Christmas. And this is what we're going to talk about. So I am your host, Steve Michaels. And joining me is my very good dear friend, Ken you know what? I don't care if it's five degrees below outside. I'm going to shave off this peach fuzz. Roni. It may be cold here in Indiana, but I'm glad I wasn't back in Bastogne. <laughs> nice. And also joining us is a very good and dear friend, Jeff. It burns when I pee needles. Muncie. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. I, uh, I, I realized after watching this show that the... Uh, um, a phrase that you cannot utter these days is it's uh, so cold out I freeze my balls off because your wife has them someplace and has had those for probably what 30, 35 years Steve? No we've only been married for 20, let's see, 26, 26 years 26 years <laughs> okay. 26 that was close yeah, 26 yeah I mean don't don't get me that old Good lord. She keeps them warm in a glass jar that keeps the door open, right? Right. I'm telling you. They're getting a little formaldehyde in there. <laughs> and also, 
last and not least, but our good and dear friend, the Lieutenant Deuteronomy Skaggs. Hey, Steve, you need a cigarette? I got 20 or so of them laying around here. You want to, you want to smoke? Uh, you know, I'll pass. Thanks. <laughs> Don't feel like getting shot. <laughs> nice. All right. Very well done. All right. So, guys, we're going to be kind of breaking off from the usual uh, review of movies. And we've mentioned this numerous times before in past years about Band of Brothers. We're big fans of this uh, series. And um, like I said, you know, running out of the decent Christmas movies, I think at one point we actually threw out the uh, Battle of the Bulge, that, that 1960s version, which is like god awful to watch. I think I've watched it a couple times. I'm like, I swore off, never watch it again. Uh, Ken mentioned the, these two, and I'm, I'm like, this is solid. This is this is a great thing to talk about, and it's a little bit different, because now we're going to be talking about a couple of episodes of a movie series that we've watched. We all like it, and I think we can kind of get into this one. So, um, Ken, you know what? You, you mentioned these two. I think you ought to start off. And like I said, and we can, we don't have to talk about one episode or two episodes. We could just talk about both of them together because they kind of meld in a little bit. I'll do that. Uh, And they do. That's why I picked these two episodes. They, they're pretty tight. Uh, They're all contained in about a two week period. First, I just want to talk for a moment about the TV series in general. I mean, I think, got me kind of depressed when I was studying up for tonight was this came out in 2001. I mean, this is 16 years ago. I'm, I'm one of those people things like, Oh, this came out like seven or eight years ago. No, it's 16 years ago. And it pretty much owes its existence to the success uh, Tom Hanks had in doing saving private Ryan. Saving private Ryan was highly acclaimed for a lot of the look, the way they filmed it a lot of the historicity of it, uh, and just being a great story all around. He teamed up with Steven Spielberg, and they worked with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose had written the book Band of Brothers back in the 90s. You know, Ambrose is a historian. He saw this as an oral history of a unit. I read the book. It was very good. And uh, after, you know, augmenting that they interviewed a lot of the key folks that are still around they read some you know there's some books that other folks in the unit had written and then they worked with a team again being spielberg involved and hanks involved they had the resources to do this right they had money to put into good production values and they put together a you know Good story. There's 10 episodes total. Each episode, I believe, I think they're all an hour long. And it starts with the unit being assembled in uh, America and being trained and goes all the way through till after the war in Europe is over, actually to the very end of the war. Each episode, well, I better back up, not all, but most episodes focus on one character not that that person's the be all and end all but it'll concentrate on how this person acts how they interact Uh, in this particular two sets 
it focuses on uh, the unit's medic and yeah. uh, a sergeant. Uh, sergeant's actual name is Carwood Lipton, played by Donnie Wahlberg. And the uh, medic is uh, Doc Rowe, paid by, uh, played by Shane Hall. Now, of course, the if there is a star or stars leading men of this series is Damian Lewis and Ron Livingston, who play uh, Dick Winters, and uh, Lewis Nixon, the unit's intelligence officer. But they appear in this these two episodes, but they're not the key. Like I said, they you know the focus here is on different people, different stories, and that was the thing I truly liked about this miniseries was you know. A company, it's a, you know, that's a lot of men, a lot of people in a company. And, I mean, there's like 150 people, I think. And with replacements and everything and people coming in and out, you've got a lot of characters. It's easy to lose track. Uh, there's a lot of characters that don't appear in every episode. There's a lot of characters that appear in one or two episodes. A right. uh, lot, of, lot of characters, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that, you know, well-known actors, very accomplished people, uh, show up and disappear. What? Well, I, in my research, I I didn't realize it, but Jimmy Fallon is in Band of Brothers. Like, like no shit. Yeah, I mean, he's in episode uh, five, right? But right as episode five is ending, there's a guy that pulls up in a jeep, going, "Hey, here's some ammunition and everything." That's Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> so it's like, wow. Tom Hart. Tom Hardy's in this. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of guys that are relatively have had much more you know more success at the big screen that are in this movie. Yeah, and I can tell you, I think when this, if you look at the trailer, I went out and looked at the trailer for this thing, and the trailer was highlighting David Schwimmer, who in you know, understandably in 2001 he was a bigger star from his work in friends and all. Mm -hmm. And he's a key character in the series, but he's not in, but a few episodes. So, uh, it's well done. Love the, you know, I think I'll repeat what you guys will say, but they went out a long way for getting authenticity in locations in costumes in weapons and vehicles and just in the field uh, there are some composites there are some liberties taken some dramatic license taken to make the story flow better uh, I'll talk a little bit about a key one that happens in this pair of episodes but overall I thought they did an excellent job. This was very good uh, TV. It was good enough that, you know, it inspired a, not a sequel, but a follow-up, which was the Pacific, which did a similar treatment of Marines in the Pacific in World War II. That came out about like seven, eight years ago. And I thought the Pacific was solid but it never got the love that Band of Brothers had, and I can understand why. So I'll be quiet for a few minutes and let you other guys talk. Jeff, what do you think? Oh, thanks, Steve. Um, in my opinion, which doesn't carry much weight, this series to me is one of the – is probably one of the top three things I think Hollywood has ever done. 
And I think it is even it, it's I consider this important enough that every buddy should watch this series from start to finish and and not just from start to finish but like the extra stuff that comes after it um this is uh, i think one of the highest selling um dvds ever um when this was released it sold over a hundred million dollars in in dvd sales um, and this is not a light, cheap purchase. I mean, this had five or six discs with it, and it was, you know, whatever, 30, 40 bucks. Um, <clears throat> and for good reason. There, There is, um, to me, this is a great study in um, storytelling, um, character development, and more importantly, the, the story of the men that lived this experience and i think they capture an incredible essence for um for the men and the story and the bond between them uh and i i I think it is uh, i i have watched this series i i would guess probably at least 10 times all episodes it is also and specifically to this steve or um Ken, Ken talked about how each most episodes focus center around a central character, and then um, you kind of see it through their eyes, and and that's part of the essence of the storytelling of this, and and I think that's what makes it work is you don't follow the same person around for the whole story. It focuses on different different people and different events, um, and and the relationship between these people. And I think it's it's just done very well. And in and, and this episode in particular, and, I, and I, I couldn't have been happier that you guys chose to do this. We've been kind of talking about this for years and bantering around how we could do it. And um, I think what's what's interesting about this show is, you know, we, we it Ken alluded to how Steven Spielberg shot um, Saving Private Ryan. And this movie here, or this series here, um, even though it was done on TV, doesn't the production quality is probably better than Saving Private Ryan, and for many different aspects: um, sound, music, um, uh, lighting, um, cinematography. Just I mean, it, it, there's there's so many things that are right about this show. Um, I don't know if we can probably talk about all of them, uh, but to me this series has always been worthy of a man cave full review. And hopefully um, as time goes on, we will get to all 10 episodes. Absolutely. Reverend, your thoughts. Uh, you know, it's really hard to add a whole lot uh, to what, what they've, you know, Ken and <clears throat> Jeff have indicated. I mean, when this movie came out, it was, uh, it was the most expensive miniseries ever made her $25 million. Uh, wow! I they they did use yeah it was it was very expensive. Uh, they did I think take advantage of some of the sets and so forth that Spielberg had done for Saving Private Ryan. But just the idea they built they literally built some of these towns like they built if I'm not mistaken they built uh, a stone and the, obviously destroyed it. Um, here's another little interesting factoid: this series premiered on September 9th, two thousand and one. 
two days before September 11th. Wow. Uh, and they actually had uh, a, a monstrously huge advertising budget. And apparently after that, they, they, didn't, they just didn't advertise it anymore, I don't think. They pulled back on that budget. They had 10 million viewers, I think, the first night. Uh, this is... I mean, Jeff, when you mentioned that you think this is one of the best things Hollywood's ever done, do you you mean that includes film and everything, or are you talking about miniseries? Because this is certainly, from my perspective, the only miniseries that might rival it, in my view, and it's just because of my bias towards Westerns, is Lonesome Dove. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a miniseries that compares to this. I can't. Yeah, Brian, I, I'm talking everything. I okay. can't think any... Anything, in, in my opinion, that is done better, uh, to me, this is just one of the best things ever produced. Um, and, and, and they had enough time to, 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 I mean, they had effectively 10 hours to tell it. Um, but they, they, didn't, they, they didn't let the budget cheapen it. And I think that's because Spielberg and Hanks wanted, if, they're, if you're going to do it, do it right. Because you've got one shot at this, and I'm, you know, and between the two, they had enough clout to raise whatever money they needed, or to put it up themselves, or whatever. And and this was um, an honor to those men and women that fought um, the big war. And it's to me, I can't think of anything else that I would almost rather watch. Than, than this and it's 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 that good and it's it's that it's just so well done and i want to get into when we get into um the show itself um just every episode has its own feel uh, because it centers around a different character a different location uh, because you do progress throughout the war you know you start um you start at d-day and then you go through to the end and and so all along the way, not only is there different different characters, but there's just different locations and different themes and different sceneries. And and it's I've tried to explain this to my wife that yeah, it's a it's a war series, but the show is not about war. It 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 you know it's called Band of Brothers for a reason. You know it's about the bond that's created and 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 how these guys survive this horrific experience. Um, and, and this episode captures just some fantastic essence of that. There's just some great parts in this that as you're seeing it through Eugene's eyes, it's you, you're there's there's a time there's, there's I'm gonna call it downtime when they're waiting, you know, between you know artillery barrages and assaults that they're that they're they're it's men doing their thing and it's great to watch Eugene go around and he's collecting um, morphine and, and you're seeing what do guys do during this downtime and they capture the essence of what goes on behind the lines. And I thought that was, it was so creative the way that they did it. Um, it, it, it was, it's, it's just a, you know, a, a, an example of just the, the intentionality of, of this whole series. Yeah. I, I watch at least once a year, uh, usually this time of year. Um, uh, what, one f- cool thing is, uh, I was just looking up some of the names, you know, like Donald Malarkey. Uh, so I put Donald Malarkey in and I hit Donald and Donald Trump shows up first. Guess what shows up second? Malarkey, uh, put shifty in 
Shifty Power shows up. I mean, this made these guys, I mean, not that they weren't important or significant or famous, they were, but this actually put their names out across the world, you know, which I think is just so interesting. Again, you know, it's, it's what, 17, 16 years old now. Like I said, I put Shifty Power, I put Shifty in, in Google, Shifty Powers pops up, you know, not something else. Uh, I just, I just, you know, it, it says a lot. It really does um, uh, about how influential this series was in calling attention to this group. No, this was a, like Jeff said, when Ambrose did the book and Spielberg and Hanks got together to do the miniseries, they were doing this as a tribute. I mean, this is this jet. The the characters in this are of the generation that were Spielberg's and Hanks' fathers. Um, yeah, it's our grandfathers. And, you know, this concentrates on a company, and you get a real feel for the dynamics that go on, and that, like I said, that band of brotherhood, and you know, the good and bad that happens, and this the hell that these guys go through. But that's just one company, you know. That you know, it's like that's one company out of one battalion, out of one regiment, out of one division, out of the ninety divisions. Or so there were in the U.S. Army, not counting the Marines and Navy and everything else. So it's a tribute to the suffering because that's a thing that you see in this. Like Jeff said, yeah, you see the downtime. I mean, they're like, make sure you get your socks clean and get a shave and, you know, hey, I found a Luger and all that stuff that goes on in the downtime. But these guys were suffering. They were freezing. They're getting trench foot and frostbite. And that was when they weren't being shelled or shot at. I mean, this was a horrible experience. And the veterans that went through, I mean, the veterans of Easy Company, when he interviewed them afterwards, this was their rough point. That's why they called the episode seven the breaking point. It was just really hard. These guys went through a real ordeal. And they deserve the tribute that this uh, miniseries gave them. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got a couple of things I want to point out before we move on. Um, first of all, I'm just going to say that opening scene on the in Bastogne, when you got winners trying to shave with frozen ice. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? No one does that. And you know what? The last thing I want to see is if General McAuliffe rolls up and goes, why are you clean shaven? It's, you know, wintertime, it's five degrees. Why are you clean shaven? That tells me you ain't, oh, that kind of bugged me. I don't That's know. That's his I, professionalism. He had an well, image that he was well, going to do. Well, okay. That was I, part of his character. I he, know. He I know. Was but the, you know what? No I, one shaves when it's like five degrees below zero, just, just no, not they did, that. but he did. He was renowned for it. Okay, well, all that, right. All, all, all the thing about this miniseries is almost without doubt, when you see something in the miniseries, you go like, "Oh, that's just something they made up," or nobody would do that. It'll turn out it's real. Well, I again, I don't doubt that he did it. It's just like, okay, that's stupid. 
you know, you're, well, I'm not going to get into that part, but the, the, the thing that I really wanted to get into is, is this part, like you said, um, these two episodes, you know, Bastone Breaking Point really kind of focused on the medics. And I think it was very, very, very important that people realized when everybody is like ducking undercover in their foxholes and they're screaming medics. The medics are the ones that are running out there, most vulnerable, going out, trying to save people. These are the guys that are most exposed. I mean, that is really what got me about that first episode. Remember when the, when the artillery's falling and everything and the, and, and the medics are the ones that are out there. Everybody's all hunkered down, but it's like, Hey, come help me. They're the ones that are running. And it's like, wow. And it's still that way today. Yeah. And I know it's that way today, but it's like, those are the heroes. Holy cow. Talk about having a set of balls on you to do that. Well, you're right, Steve. That's what, that's why it was great that they dedicated an episode to, to that. Yes. There was some debate, I think, about who they were going to focus on that episode. And, and I mean, the, the two episodes we saw, I think certainly the second episode is considered the kind of preeminent episode, at least from what I've read. Uh, which, by the way, that was a little different because that was a narrative episode where Lipton did a narrative. Mm-hmm. The other episodes, historically, they focus on a guy, you follow him. I think Winters, after Day of Days, had a brief narrative at the end, I think, or at least he talked about a prayer that he said. But this was a narrative. The second episode was a narrative episode, which I don't think there had been one where one of the characters narrated. Uh, so it was a little different. But uh, but there had been a little bit of debate of what to do with Bastone, and they opted for, uh, uh, you know, obviously for the medic. And uh, and it was, you know, it was incredible because he was seeing there was no peace. I mean, you go you, know, you go back to Bastone, it's a little better at Bastone, but then Bastone gets the hell blown out of it. I mean, so, I mean, they were you got a sense of just how dire it was because even in where it should have been safe, it wasn't safe. And Brian, you brought up a good point. And I, again, maybe my history is a little fuzzy, but at what point were German bombers bombing Bastogne? Oh, they were. Were they? Yeah. The Germans, so, Germans still had an air force and they threw a lot of it into the battle of the bulge. Okay. Cause I'm trying to remember where our air force was grounded. Yeah. But that's cause our, you know, it's weather conditions and the Germans were able to get up and they, we weren't. I mean, you know, they, the Germans did parachute drops. I mean, they did all sorts of stuff at the Battle of the Bulge with aircraft. But it's also, you know, they lost a whole lot. I mean, it wasn't like they oh, sure. had great success. Well, that episode, you lost – they're all characters that you, you really come to love as you watch the series. For whatever reason, I always liked Wild Bill Garnier because he was kind of the smart mouth, you know, you know, cocky. And, you know, obviously he got his leg bone off in this one. Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything. I don't think I'm giving anything away. Uh, but, but you know, he was always one of my favorite characters. And, uh, and even to the end, he goes, I told you I'd be the first to go home. He tells Toy, uh, who lost his leg. Uh, but those are two of my favorite guys in the series. And that, that was the end of the war for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a thing which all the episodes – show but i think these two episodes show probably more than the others in the series is just the violence and randomness and death and injuries that these guys suffer not just physical injuries but psychological injuries and these guys but they they 
hung in there and they still did it. But you saw it, there's a lot of, especially by focusing on a medic. I mean, there's several instances in here where you know, trying to say, you know, he's trying to save people and he just can't pull it off. Those horrific bombardment scenes where people are just trying to find a foxhole. And it's like, oh, wait, there's a foxhole. The guys in a foxhole get blown up. I mean, it's just death all around you. And it's sort of, as you watch the whole miniseries, you know, by the time you get towards the end, you understand why these original guys that have toughed it out, why they act the way they do towards the new guys, the new replacements, the new officers, because mm -hmm. they've gone through it and the other guys haven't. And I will throw in a thing I loved about this show, not this episode, but uh, the two episodes we did, I, I believe it was episode eight, the one that follows, where the character Webster comes back. He had been injured a couple episodes before. Yep. Heals up. He comes back. And the guys in the unit just treat him like he's nobody. And he's like, you know, <laughs> below them because he wasn't at Bastogne. But like, he trained with them. He dropped with them at, you know, at Market Garden and Gormandy. But the fact that he did not have that experience that they all shared set him outside and he saw them. I thought that was an interesting take. I thought it was an interesting take, and that has always bugged me about this movie. It's like, this dude's a vet. He saw action. It's like, okay, so he was an Bastone. It's not like he's a rebel, you know. It's not like he's some replacement. I, I had, I had a problem with that. But that is really what happened. And the I, thing is, I know. that horrific experience these guys went through for about a solid month. He didn't experience. They did. Yeah. Well, their their issue was he he had in their eyes a, a you know a a minor wound, and stayed in the in the hospital for four months. And it, while ever while a lot of other guys had you know, broken out, left early so they could return, we're at Bastogne, and you get—I mean—they survived Bastogne, and you know what? They—they were—they—they they, given given a choice. They'd rather not have been there, but they were there. They were forced to be there, and um, you know, they survived through it. They went through something. They have a bond because they survived through it and what in the hell that they saw. And then somebody else comes in who, you know, is, you know, you know, sleeping on the job comes in and, you know, and, and, and not happy to see him. But what's fascinating about that scene there, because when you see the look on their faces and just the loathing that they have, I thought, man, that's, that's pretty strong and powerful. And then I did some reading up on it. So that, so the, the scene we're talking about doesn't happen in the two episodes we're reviewing. It talks, it, that scene comes after the two episodes we're reviewing and it's narrated and seen through, through, um, um, through that guy's eyes. Well, since that actor wasn't in the Bastogne, um, uh, two episodes of Bastogne, um, he took a trip for, I think it was like four months or something or for a period of time, he was gone. He took a trip, wasn't on the set, didn't do everything. And I guess the crew was a little bit jealous, uh, a little bit uh, frustrated that, you know, he just kind of up and left and they used that kind of frustration and it played out on the screen. And I thought that was 
very interesting use of you know real life experience to portray that on the screen because like Malarkey's look is priceless. He won't even look at him. He just looks off in the distance as he's talking to him. I thought it was very well done. Well, that reminds me. I mean, it's not this movie, but the same thing was done when uh, they were doing, when Spielberg was doing Saving Private Ryan. A famous thing about that movie is, you know, they assemble the actors who would play the squad that Tom Hanks's Captain Miller leads, and then Dale Dye. Who is Dale Dye is in this miniseries. He plays Colonel Saint. But Dale Dye's, you if you don't know who he is, you probably have seen him. He's a for years he was a military consultant. He appeared in a lot of movies as military characters. Uh, but Dale Dye put all the actors that were in the squad through, I think, a two-week boot camp, like you know, a short version of Marine boot camp, and just harsh. But they didn't make matt damon go through it so that when you know they finally get with matt damon and that scene where matt damon appears guys are all all crappy with him but it's like part of their thing was like we had to sit in like a mud for two weeks and you sat in a hotel hanging out with workers or whatever it's like they were they were highly peeved at him you know it's interesting we think about dale die uh some of the most substantial significant war movies have been done in the last 30 years He's had he's had some influence on. Obviously, starting with Platoon, that's the first one he he was involved with. Right. Uh, Band of Brothers, uh, uh, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I, I'm sure there are many others, but um, and he I think in, he did his boot camp for all of them. By the way, he was in uh, Rough Riders, the miniseries with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, and he, and he had a, a, a that and that's a series. I, I don't know. Very you know, good. I mean, very good, um, and just the litany of of actors in that is amazing. Well, the Dale to review that yeah. sometime. Pretty decent, uh, pretty decent role. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said at the very beginning, this miniseries has a deep bench of quality actors who don't appear a lot, but are very effective when they appear. And he's one of them. His Colonel Saint character, he sort of pops in and pops out. Because at the company level, the, the colonel's not there every day. He's back at headquarters or doing whatever. If he well, wanted, you he did appear all the time. You saw that with Winters. You know, when he's when he's a lieutenant, you know, he's he's a every episode he's uh, in there a lot. I mean, as he kind of moved up the chain, you know, Winters couldn't. You know, he, the story is about easy company. You know, and it becomes less and less about Winters as he moves up uh, because he's not with them all the time anymore, you know? So you can, you can even sell, you saw that reflected in the way the movie as it, as the miniseries played out. Yeah. I, I remember this calls to mind back when we reviewed, uh, the longest day, a comment we made about that movie was for, to a large extent, it focuses on the high level officers, the generals, the, you know, colonels in this miniseries. I mean, do we see, I mean, aside from, uh, General McAuliffe rolling up and talking for like two minutes. Are there any generals in Band of Brothers at all besides that one German general that gives a speech? I don't think there are. It's about the guys down in the trenches. Well, it's, yeah, it's about easy company. I mean, that's it. It's it's small level. And we're not talking big picture. And and I that's a great point, Ken. That as Winter's success continues. 
his overall role diminishes. Uh, and, 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 and that makes room for, for other guys to, to kind of come to the forefront that you saw just sporadically in the early episodes, but now are taking more of a, of a prominent role. And it's, Again, it it goes to the storytelling of the whole series. It 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 ebbs and flows between you know you have characters around, and you see them, and you know you t- you kind of check in with them, but you know life the as the war progresses, life kind of carries on. I mean, these guys have been over there for some time, and their their lives are evolving too. They're not staying stagnant. You know, I mean, you've got battlefield promotions, and you got guys that get injured, and you know, guys you've been with since D Day, you know, since jumping out of the airplane. Um, suddenly, they're you know what? They're gone. Some some die. Some some get carted off, and and you know what? You it's it's goodbye, and it and it is. It's very jarring at times throughout the show as you kind of get attached to these characters because it again I go back to the fantastic storytelling that it does. Um, you know you and you, you know who these characters are. And I don't want to say it's tropish, but you just you just you've met you've met people like this. You know who they are. You know they might be the the strong um, you know boy from the farm or you know they, they they might be that you know that new york kid from the city um you know you've, you've got these characters and people that you've known and, and then you you get attached to them and and then you know what shit happens to them and and it affects you um and then at the end one you know one of the things i absolutely loved about this show is you you know you you it is i'm going to say at the end of the series there's the great reveal on who these people are that have been kind of at the beginning of the show, kind of telling their, their story. Cause you, you know, they never tell you until the very end. And then, you know, you, you, you see these, these, these men in their, in their senior years who, you know, have shared their stories and, and then you put the name to, to the face that's been talking to you for 10 episodes. and, and, and 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 it does it just did something to me it really um, it it really had a big effect on me it's like i i i don't know these men but i feel like i know these men and i feel attached to them and what we were talking about earlier where you know these became kind of household names and then you would see you know you would see headlines you know when when they would pass away and you knew who these men of world war two were and it, and it did something for you. Um, and it was, you know, it was such a big deal that, you know, even when winters, um, passed away, it, you know, they, they kind of kept it under wraps a little bit because they knew that they were afraid that, you know, they, they would have tens of thousands of people show up to his funeral. Um, and, and, and it was all because of a TV show, but it, was so impactful that that's the kind of societal effect that it had. Yeah, it, this was this was a, an amazing piece of work. Uh, and honestly, you know, it's a two-hour episode, and we're we're just going to scratch it. We're just going to scratch it, you know, because obviously the story of the medic and the story of the nurse. I mean, there's so many. Just in, in one hour, they told half a dozen stories. You know, I mean, uh, seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all linked. I mean, obviously, the threads of those stories go back to the beginning in Georgia, uh, but but there's just so many stories. And uh, again, well, the the 
you, you talked about uh, them uh, with the replacement or the, the the guy that came back. I mean, again, Joe Toy was should have still been in the hospital. He comes back. They said, "Why aren't you in the, Why aren't you back?" And he says, "Well, I wanted to be with you guys." Well, he gets his leg blown off. You know, I mean, that's why guys are bitter. You know, because Toy comes back. You know, he shouldn't even been there. Uh, it's 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 an amazing it's a, it, the 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 only criticism I have ever read of the series and it's a, and, it, and I, w- I won't say it's a consistent when it comes to some guys who I think are jerks like Tom Shales but um, but it's that I can't tell who the characters are it's too there's too much going on you know I you know it, it, the, the fog of war you don't really know what's going happening to who and and I'm not sure that's altogether unintentional because when the shit hits the fan like that I, I don't think you even know what's happening to yourself let alone what's happening to your friends uh, but uh, I you know this is this is as good as it gets it really is uh, it, it really is and and just what a hell what a hell on earth the stone was I mean yeah well it's just one of many that existed I mean it was no fun to be at Hurtgen Forest or I mean I can start listening you know, it wasn't good to assault Mount Casino or something there's lots of places that were comparable. It's war. I mean, that's just the nature. That's that's what this is. This is a study. Yeah, I'm going to propose that we talk a little bit about the characters or the uh, the actors. Sure, Ken. Who do you got? I'm just going to I'm just going to throw out a few, and you guys comment on them. All right. uh, and I'm just going off the the uh, Wikipedia article on this on the characters that appeared in every episode i'm just going to name them and you guys throw out your comments you got damian lewis who played dick winter started as a lieutenant worked his way up to major uh and he's british and that's the thing about this movie this this series quite a few of the actors playing americans and convincingly playing americans are british uh, it, it threw me because I first saw him on this miniseries and I saw him some movie a couple years later. And, you know, I think like, oh, man, this guy does a good English accent. It's like, well, no, he's he's English. I found out uh, good character, but he doesn't appear much in these episodes. He's he's there in, in episode six and seven. But he's like I say, he's not key. He sort of moved back to headquarters a little bit. Uh, is, he a, is he a captain or a major at this point? Yeah, Cap- captain. Okay. Captain. Yeah. So, I mean, any other comments for this character? Well, I mean, he's been in, uh, he's, guys got nominated for tons of Golden Globes and Emmys. He's mainly a TV guy. I mean, when I say TV, I mean more like series or, or you know, for example, he's in Billions on, I don't know if it's Netflix or what, but I've seen it. Uh, he's on Wolf Hall, which is a hell of a British uh, series, if you've ever seen it. Gold, uh, Wolf Hall is awesome. Wolf Hall is incredible. Um, he plays and, Henry VIII. Uh, yeah, he's in Homeland. Uh, he is, you know, again, I've seen him in some movies, but really he's made his niche in uh, in doing stuff like this. Uh, so, I mean, I, I anything that has his name associated with it, I'm going to watch, typically. Okay, well, I'll, I'll move down my list. Ron Livingston plays Captain Nixon, who's the intelligence officer. He's cynical, sardonic, and alcoholic, basically. Uh, but Ron Livingston himself, the the, the, uh, the actor, 
My favorite role he was in was Office Space. He started <laughs> the movie Office Space, which is a far jump from this character. But uh, he also is a very busy actor. So I'll open up the floor for him. You know, he graduated from Yale in real life, just like in the series. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. No, I think his character in this movie, um, I mean, he, he, he you, it, it's, it, there, there's ups and downs that everybody has throughout the war. And he, you know, he, he basically, uh, he, he has a very interesting progression through the series. And, and they don't, I don't think they really spend a, enough time with him, but, you know, it, it, it's probably okay. Um, but I mean, but with the time that they do have with him on the scene, there's a lot, there's a lot of, he goes through, he goes through a lot in this series outside of the war itself. I mean, he, I mean, and even then, I mean, there's points in the, in the show where it's like that, that drinking catches up to him eventually. And, but they, they explore that and just, you know, it may be five or six minutes here or there, but they, ex- they take time to explore it and they let you know that these guys are going through different things as the war's going on. They're fighting a war and they have this life that just seems to keep following them around that they can't get away from that, you know, that, that is from back, back in the States. You know, there's a great scene where, you know, he gets a letter, a, a dear John letter in the mail and, you know, and, and, and he's more upset, not about his wife leaving, but she took the dog. It's not even her dog. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's it's those type of moments there. Uh, but Office Space is clearly the best. I I I know we don't tend to do a lot of comedies, but Office Space <laughs> deserves to be talked about someday. You know, he's got a little bit of the traits of his character in this, kind of sardonic, uh, just like in Office Space a little bit here in this. Yeah, a little bit. I think the casting was spot on. I mean, that's, that, and I think it won some awards for casting. I mean, they, you know, there was a character, you know, a, a character, you know, a study of the, the actual men. And I think they got to know who those guys were and then found actors that could just bring that to life. Well, and then of the, uh, of the actual survivors of easy company, who these actors portrayed, if they were alive, they generally tried to get a meeting with them so that they got to know each other. Yes. Well, the next guy on my list is Donnie Wahlberg. And Donnie Wahlberg is interesting because he's, you know, he's Mark Wahlberg's brother. He's a literal, at one time, a literal rock star. He was in New Kids on the Block back when they were hot, back like in the 80s. Uh, but he's become quite an accomplished actor. Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the series, he plays uh, Sergeant, later Lieutenant Lipton. And episode seven, the second one we looked at for our review, focuses on him and he narrates it. He he was a solid leader of his unit. And, uh, you know, when I, when, when you, you know, I, I don't really think of him that much, but he's done a lot of movies back then, especially. Uh, he also does a fair amount of TV. I mean, he's basically always on TV. His last uh, he's on, on Blue Bloods Blue, right now. He's on Blue Bloods, which my mom watches all the time. I catch him on that off and on. So, he but seems, uh, he seems to play a lot of cop roles. 
I, 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 as much as I like Lewis and everybody else, I may have liked Lipton. Um, he, he truly, as Spears told him, he was the heart of that, of that unit. He was the solid guy. It was always there. And, you know, you could always count on him. And, uh, I thought he, particularly, I thought in that, in episode seven, I mean, that was clearly, well, actually both of the episodes, I mean, he was the only glue, he really was the only glue holding these guys together. Um, at that, at that point in time, when you had, what's his name? Um, Dumblehead, um, running the platoon or running the, uh, the, the Dyke. Dyke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, that's a very, it, again, it, by the time you get to episode seven, you as a viewer have gone through uh, a lot in in seven hours with this group of guys. And it, it's you're right, Brian. It's a it's a very powerful scene where Spears, who is um, Captain is Captain Spears, Lieutenant Spears, he was Lieutenant Spears. Um. You know he he is he is sort of a, an enigma for the longest time in this and you know kind of a kind of a legend within the group uh, and you know and and he has that moment in that church with them where where he lets him know that and it really was kind of a, 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 a we all were you know watching this and 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 for me at least. When he said that, it was kind of one of those aha moments. He's like, "Oh my God, that's exactly right." We we he plays such a low mid level character. Um, you know, a lot of times it focuses on the the you know the the privates and and um, and corporals down below, and you know he's a sergeant early on, and and it but he is instrumental to he, he is the glue he is the guy that is connected to every other small group of uh, guys that we visit throughout the show you know you mentioned that scene and, I, and i'm going to divert this a little bit where uh, where spears talks to him in the church and he talks about the i think the tercius uses the example of tercius and That's, then uh, yeah. and then uh, also the scene where uh, buck buck sitting there talking about the visigoths coming out you know, and whereas like Cartier's looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, because uh, you know that's not Cartier's education. But I, I said, and I thought, I you know, I go, you know, all those guys were, who were lieutenants probably were maybe co- well, they would have been probably college educated, and they all had classical training, you know, historical training. They knew who the Visigoths were, they knew something about the Romans. Uh, I just found that interesting. You know, that that I'm not so sure that you get that in today's world but you know no well i i think it i i don't know you know we might need uh um you know our uh our uh our our captain on the podcast to chime in here but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna guess to a sense they uh they uh you know you know modern day i mean i'm sure they're gonna study you know you know, whatever Rome and Napoleonic tactics in some sense, but you know, they're, they're going to rely on, on more recent historical data to, to train their guys. But, um, but you know, back then, I mean, the, the principles of war were the principles of war, but you know, back then they, they were over in Europe, you know, there's a lot of history going on there. And there was, you know, reasons that certain battles took place in certain areas due to terrain and whatever that just funneled people in a certain direction. I know. We've got some, 
I'll tell you a guy who, uh, coming out of this series, I think we all thought he was going to be monstrously huge. He's had a good career, but he just, he's never, never quite been what I, I think we thought. And that would be, uh, Neil McDonough. Yeah. Who played, uh, Buck Compton. Uh, I mean, I think they had a big TV series like a year after that. They, you know, that it, it didn't do really well, but he's yeah. been a lot of stuff. And by the way, there's a strange. Uh, in fact, I'll go ahead and say it. You know who wrote the sec- the second episode we did tonight? No. Graham Yost. That name ring a bell to you guys? Was he? Yes. Did he do Justified? He did Justified. Guess who was yeah. in Justified? Neil McDonough. Yeah. Kirk, uh, you know, basically uh, Sergeant Luz, the one who's always doing the imitations and stuff. He was uh, David Vasquez, the AD, <laughs> the, oh, the, the district attorney. You're right. Uh, but yeah, Graham Yost wrote the second episode. And uh, you'll wow. see some of these guys pop up and justify. Wow. Actually, believe it or not, Garnier, guy that played Garnier, uh, was in a justified show. I, I didn't even imagine yeah. i would never picked him out in a million years uh when i he learned what a, episode it was yeah hard killer um i can't remember which season well he was but, the guy know, who was under protection that killed the the marshal who was supposed to be protecting him and uh so again just but i didn't recognize him because i i thought garnier's kind of a small guy you know you know small tough italian guy i don't know was garnier italian i don't even know if it is i think it might be sounds french <laughs> Carnier, but no, but Neil McDonough has been in a lot. He was in um, Captain America. Uh, he's in uh, had a good role. Yeah, a good role in Captain America. He was in the Agent Carter series. He was uh, he, looking at he's in Paul Blart Mall Cop too. <laughs> yeah, he he continues to do a lot of work. I mean, yeah, he does a lot of TV too. That's the great thing, you know, Band of Brothers and uh, Saving Private Ryan. If if you if you look at those actors, um, a number of them are are very familiar to us. I mean, those 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 shows and movies were a springboard for a lot of these actors. I mean, you've got this Orville show uh, right now that you know some people enjoy, some people don't. Um, but uh, Sergeant Malarkey from in here. Oh, that's right. Episode, You're right. He's yeah. he's in that series. Yeah, Scott uh, Grimes. And there's a lot, I mean, but there's, you know, there's a lot of people in these that, you, that you've seen, that you see in, in Band of Brothers that, that are in, um, that, that are in things like, like, um, oh, the guy that played Bull, um, what's his oh, yeah. name? Um, he's in a ton of stuff. Um, oh a ton gosh. of stuff. He just, he just left The Walking Dead last year. Correct. Mike, uh, Michael Kudlitz. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's in a ton of stuff, and you know, but he has a you know just this 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 cool badass persona about him. Um, it, it, but there's a lot of actors that you know this the, these shows were springboards for them, um, for you know because they established themselves as, as as just men that can that can that can pull a lot of these roles off. Well, some some right. names that are that are a little more prominent. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Michael Fassbender was in this. Uh, Jamie Bomber, who's who was actually in uh, the uh, Battlestar Galactica series, which he didn't done a ton of stuff since then, but he was in that. Peter O'Mara, uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, obviously, Schwimmer, uh, or not, not Peter O'Mara, Jason O'Mara, excuse me. Uh, and then then you got uh, some other British guy. Well, Colin Hanks. Tom Hanks' son in it. Tom Hardy was in this. Uh, Simon Pegg is in this. James McAvoy, who's a Brit, done a lot of stuff. Uh, it's just you know, kind of surprising. It really is. 
It's hard for me to believe Colin Hanks has been acting that long, by the way. Tom Hanks' son. Yeah, he's and he continues to. He's in a TV show that my wife watches that that actually is 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 fairly humorous and it's uh, it's dark comedy writing. Um, he, he plays kind of a more of a, a spastic character in that show. I'm assuming he's moving in on 40 years old at this point. In all honesty, oh, easily. Well, I'm gonna say, his character. I mean, in the episode because his character just came and went. It was not in the episode six and seven. I think he appeared in episode eight. But interesting character, interesting situation, uh, an interesting effect. It, you know, the way he came in and interacted with these guys because he was the raw lieutenant just out of school and stuck in with these vets. And there's an interesting dynamic in that episode. Well, he was an academy grad. I don't. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had he had a lot to prove, and and he did. He volunteered. He was he then he like you know let me. Let me earn my way. Yeah, actually, I felt like he did as best he could given the circumstance. You know, yeah. I mean, but you know, he's in with a bunch of tough, rough dudes. I mean, you know, it's hard to really prove anything to these guys because they they've been there and they've done that several times over. Good conversation, guys. It is now time to move on to brother. What you drinking? And uh, you know what? Uh, Reverend, what do you got? How's the pruno? I'm going go, to bore you. I, I've got oh. meetings in the morning, believe it or not. Holy I shit. am drinking Diet Coke again. I just, yeah. you know, couldn't light it up tonight. Right. Got to meet people tomorrow. Holy business crap. is business. Yep. All right. All right, Ken. Oh, no, never mind, Ken. Uh, we have special <laughs> things for Ken. So, Jeff. Jeff, what do you got? Well, tonight I, uh, I'm drinking from my... My Stein here. Um, Your Stein? 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 Steiner. Steiner. Steiner will come. Uh, Steiner will come. Uh, I uh, have, uh, I, I dug out of my refrigerator in the very bottom below a thing of uh, Twizzlers and uh, Slim Jim. Um, a, the last, apparently the last, I, I'm, if I found another one, it would be like, Fish and Lowe's night here, um, but it was the uh, cherry, uh, the the uh, the Bell's cherry stout that uh, that I had purchased. Um, uh, well, I, I I think nearly damn near a year ago. So uh, I thought, well, I should probably try this now. Um, not a year ago, I guess it was a few months ago. Is that right? Ah, who knows? Um, anyway, so I'm drinking that. Um, Still hoping that uh, this this uh, this winter season here, I can brew my uh, my cherry stout that I've uh, been prepping up for for mm. nearly a year. And um, so anyway, um, that's that's what I'm drinking. And and I got to say, it's not flat. It's not uh, skunky. It's uh, still. I, I poured it. I was like, oh my god, that's not quite motor oil, but uh, but it's pretty thick. So, anyways, salute. There you go. All right, guys. I will just say that um, I'm going with a with an old region favorite here. Um, I got a cousin that lives up in. <laughs> That's your cousin. That, That's your cousin. I got a cousin. I got a cousin that lives up in the region. He's got a cousin. She's down here uh, staying with us tonight, and um, actually for a couple of nights because she's uh, taking some uh, classes to get her insurance license. And she brought me an entire case 
of this. An entire cake? Case. Oh, case? Case. Case? That's case. A, so how I big can't. a dent you made in that case tonight? Is that a superhero on the front of that? Yeah, that's that's zombie dust. Oh, zombie dust. Yeah. 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 She likes you. Yeah. But, but well. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, so anyway, I can't. I I, I, I won't comment. I, I have to applaud her decision because, as you know, Steve, people hold insurance licenses tend to be smarter, better looking, you know, more yep. charismatic. Yep. And she, certainly, more, certainly more debonair. Yeah. yeah. Well, like yeah. like me. But anyway, yeah, she brought me an entire case of zombie dust, so I will be drinking this for some time. Sometime like the next, being like the next Sunday hour. afternoon. Yeah, that's going to be gone by, probably by tomorrow night. So <laughs> so there you go. So that is it. Uh, so we got uh, we got the Reverend, we got Jeff, and... It's now time for Catching Up With Ken. My darling, I can't get enough your love, babe. All right, Ken, what do you got? I've got a few things I've done since I saw you guys last, or we did the last podcast. Mm. Uh, last couple weekends back, I went to an event called Petite Cadeau. It's a holiday fundraiser, basically, that a friend of my sister's, a friend of mine now, uh, their high school classmates, puts on. Uh, the idea is, you know, it's a little gathering, dance, music, food, appetizers, drinks, but everybody that comes needs to bring gifts to give out to kids, disadvantaged kids at Christmas. So I went to that, had a good time. It's at a place called the Glossbrenner Mansion, which is a one of the old mansions. It's around like, I don't know, just south of Fall Creek and Meridian, that area. But, you know, back in like the 1880s, it was a highly well-to-do family's estate. And there's a guy I know who's, he's a local architect, he bought that about three years ago, and he's been restoring it. It's where they have the office. Their offices are the upstairs, and then the downstairs, they do events. But been doing a great job renovating. I've been going there every year, and you watch the beauty come out of, like, they've gone into each room and stripped all the wood down and refinished it and painted. It's just gorgeous. Uh, also, last weekend, on Sunday night, I went to another charity event called the Holiday Jam, Blonde Gives Back at the Rathskeller. Uh, another friend of mine, a woman named Lisa Sauce, she's actually one of the king, she's one of the queens of the music business in Indy. She runs a company called Blonde Promotions, which manages about eight or nine of the top bar bands in town. And at Christmas every year, they do it a fundraiser down at the Raskeller. All the bands come in. They all play Christmas music, their own twist on it. And, of course, you're at the Raskeller, so you've got all sorts of booze and snacks and everything else. I made it a point since I was going to the Raskeller. Uh, listeners who don't live here don't know, but the Raskeller was originally set up as the uh, essentially the German-American Bund headquarters. I mean, no, I shouldn't. It's, it was, it was the German cultural center i better watch how i put this it's a german culture center. i'm a german heritage man i can say this but it was built back around 1880s 
beautiful example of old German architecture. It has a massive beer garden. It's open anytime the weather is good. And it features good, authentic German food. So I went down early and I got my brat and I got with kraut on it. I got my German potato salad. They threw in a free German pretzel and I enjoyed the show. Was this just before the great push? There was no push there. <laughs> no agitators arose. Uh, but it is a beer hall. No one can deny that the Rascaller is a beer hall. You know, it's, it's, one the, it's one of the few historical, uh, it's well-preserved, by the way, the few um, old-time buildings that this stupid-ass city has not tore down to make way for something far more 70s modern. No, it is, the Raskeller is a great social hub. It's been a social center. It's got a gym in there. It's got theater in there. There's also, it's a, it's a destination for weddings and other big events. With, and it's a good restaurant. And the, the thing I love is, I used to go there a lot. And I backed off. Because but the bartender, <laughs> the bartender there who only sees me like once a year still knows what I want when I walk in. I mean, oh, you want vanilla vodka and Diet Coke, right? Yep, I do. So he's a good bartender. Yes. And then, and then moving on, Wednesday I went to a guy named Phil Nukes. Uh, he's a doctor lives up in Carmel through a big house party. And I knew some people there and I was invited. So I went up, hung out, had some drinks, met some people I knew and people I hadn't known until I met them. And nice party. Didn't stay out real late. It was a work night. And then finally tonight I went down to with two of my coworkers, the brass ring. Which is not a strip not club. A strip drive. It's not a strip club, no. The charming Alicia was the bartender tonight. She took good care of us, and we had a few drinks, and then I came sure home to did. prepare for the podcast. So that was Catching Up With Me. For the room next door, kid. <laughs> what, what kind of German marching music do you have? <laughs> the pooch has arrived. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't. You can't. You, see there too often because they're starting to take photographs <laughs> <laughs> say what you want about the beer hall and such but it all led to the events that led to our the history behind our movie so let's move on <laughs> oh my god nice nice all right <laughs> there you guys are plotting something but <laughs> Oh my All God. right, and I... three, two, one. Get... <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>
Oh, God. Seriously? Don't put things into my head. (laughs) Oh, you know, I was fine. I was doing well on this podcast. (laughs) Until Ken brought up the rascal. Is this your cousin? Is this your cousin? (laughs) You his cousin? Oh my God. Listeners who are wondering why we're cackling don't and don't recognize that clip. That was in the classic Star Wars tribute called Troops from like the late 80s. But let's move on. Sorry. Well, I'm I'm trying to move on, but you know, there there's some people that just won't let me move on. All right, there you go, folks. <laughs> That is it with Brother What You Drinking and Catching Up with Ken. We're now moving on to Clips. Clips, one of our favorite parts of the show. And uh, guys, I've got a few here. And only a few because I was uh, I was kind of remiss uh, today. Um, we were distracted and way late. I, understand. I, I was distracted. We had a lot of stuff going on. They had a lot of visitors. Uh, some that I some I expected, some I didn't expect. And hey, I heard you had your annual review today. How'd the, My annual how'd review? You said you had your annual review earlier. That's making sure. Oh, the, out oh yeah. Well, there was that part. Now that that's uh, yeah. That <laughs> that sent me back a few a few hours. God, <laughs> almighty. On the clips. So there we go. So that's why I'm late. I don't have that many clips, guys. But um, actually, Jeff, this one's for you. Doc, I still got the itch. Every time I pee, it's murder. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but I just don't have penicillin for your Peru. What? So there you go. Um, <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the great ones. Yep. All right. Let's see. Number two. You're a good nurse. No. I never want to treat another wounded man again. I'd rather work in a butcher's shop. But your touch calms people. That's a gift from God. Oh, it's not a gift. God would never give such a painful thing. That, that's something that we didn't elaborate on is, you know, as we're watching this show, this first episode that we're talking about, uh, episode six, it... it you know, it's it centers on him and and her and their their kind of budding relationship and and their 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 skills and and you know it's 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 there it's easy to watch somebody get shot on here because that's the last you you know they're they're dead but at on the other side of it people get hurt and somebody has to take care of those people and it's not easy for them and they you know I don't know many short many movies or shows that explore that. Um, very well, but that scene there really, I mean, it, it shows you, you know, these people may do this, but it, it takes a toll on them too. Right. All right, guys, this is the clip that really kind of stood out to me because this would be me. This would, I would be that guy in this foxhole saying this stuff. The Legionnaires, when they were watching the Huns Goths, the Visigoths. Visigoths, Jesus Christ. Uh, barbarians. Uh. 
They came right through here. Right through these trees, just sweeping down to burn the shit out of Rome. That's a hell of a long ride. So that would be me, Mr. Like, well, this is where the, you know, I was Roman defending here. And yeah. Well, I, a thing you pick up in that is a, these guys do a good all through this, these episodes, you believe they're cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And exactly. they got them made up. They look cold. Actually, they were in a sound stage. They built like in a big hangar or something, that whole forest that then got blown up at all. So they weren't really out there freezing. The only thing that gives it away, minor technical peeve, is you don't see their breath. If they were really in the woods oh, and really freezing, yeah. you would have been seeing their breath. You don't see it because they're in a sound stage. But you listen to him, you look at him, you go, these guys are freezing their ass off. Yeah, you're right. I never noticed they, that. They sell it well. Yeah, they do. Well, there's a great scene in Winters where he's sitting there and somebody's reporting to him. He's just like shaking. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's see. Next one. I wouldn't want to be a replacement officer coming in here. You're getting thrown in with a group of guys who've known each other for, what, two years? They've been in combat together since Normandy. He's supposed to just show up and lead them? How's a guy do that? How could anyone really hope to gain the respect of the toughest, most professional, most dedicated sons of bitches in the entire ETO? <laughs> we, we, we alluded to, to, to this character, Captain Dyke. It, it, the, you're, you're introduced to this character, I think the episode before six and, and, and it, and they do a good job of laying out that this guy is, he's inept. He's kind of completely out of his element. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, and the episode seven is called, uh, was a break point breaking. breaking. Point. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it is, it's one, of I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of gut wrenching, um, scenes and episodes and and breaking point is it's 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 pretty tough to watch at times um it just really i don't know it just really this series really affected me i i mean i i really was drawn into it and um and and dykes you know you had two men who had their breaking point you had um uh neil mcdonough's character um but he had his breaking point when he saw his two best friends uh you know you know you know half their bodies were you know blown up by by an artillery shot we really haven't talked about i think we need to take a moment and do that the 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 effects they used for the bombardment of of these guys in the woods um i i'd I'd like to hear what you guys thought because to me I, i cannot imagine I just can't imagine an artillery barrage being more, and I'm sure it was, uh, just being more intense than the way they portrayed it. I was so impressed by how they were able to just have this intensity of stuff blowing up on this stage, trees sometimes blowing up twice Mm -hmm. um, as they're falling. Um, Just the level, I mean, just, you know, and these weren't cut scenes. These were like, one camera angle and then a series of going off in like 
in, in some sort of perfect order that they had come up with. I was completely enamored by what they had put on, what, what the production crew was able to put on and the timing of everything. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next one. And again, I'm giving away the, uh, the clip or the, uh, the hint for the uh, sh- show. Crazy Joe McCloskey. What? This guy used to hang at the front of Delancey's and just, you know, just stare at people. Yeah, I know who Crazy Joe McCluskey is. What the hell's that got to do with anything, babe? Mm, Buck kind of reminds me of him now. What? No, ever since he got shot in Holland. Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying, he's nuts? Because Crazy Joe McCluskey was fucking nuts, babe. That's why they called him Crazy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I love that. All right. And And that was, I mean, that, you know, they're alluding to, you know, how he is. I mean, he's reaching, he's not the same. I mean, he is, he has reached his breaking point. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, it's a tough moment because you're having to watch this character that was, you know, strong and confident and full of life. And, 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 and at this point, I mean, he's, he's kind of a, a shell of the person that he was, he is not there. And again, it's, it's a testament or to, to Neil McDonough's acting that he's able to just portray this, this, this empty guy at this time. And, right. and, and everybody's having a tough time dealing with it because they, a lot of the guys look up to him. Right. Well, it's not, it's that's metal breaking point. I mean, you have the, so many people, as you alluded to in these two episodes, are physically broken. I mean, Garnier. I mean, mm-hmm. Garnier, the whole thing, he's tough. He's rough. He'll take on anybody. And then, okay, well, okay, got his leg blown off. I mean, you know, didn't get to hang, you don't get to hang around and see him with, you know, Neil McDonough's uh, Compton character. Yeah, he's still there. You, you watch him suffer. Garnier, they throw him on an ambulance and away he goes. You don't see him again because that's what's happening. Well, well in real got- life, Buck Compton was an all-American uh, a ball player. Yeah, well, actually, uh, he was a catcher, all-conference. Uh, he was a – and then I think he became an attorney. Did he prosecute uh, – he became a very prominent uh, yes. I believe, DA, Los if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, I think he was – Sirhan, Sirhan. Something – one of those big cases, yes. So he, he recovered, but the point being, he was a tough – guy and it it broke him at least for a while well that's it this is this these two episodes especially episode seven show when you're in combat and you're in combat for a long time again i can't speak to it i was not in the military i mean i've read about it i've heard about it i know people that have been but it'll break you it's that's it's a horrific experience and you get a about as good of a taste as you can in a movie or miniseries in these two scenes. I, I thought he was always interesting because he was he was always very close to the guys. Remember, like when Winters said, "Hey, you don't play cards with them because you can take their money," but he was playing cards with them because he liked to hang out with them, you know. Yeah. And whereas Winters always kind of, Winters always kind of he drew a line of separation, you know. And I think that in part kind of helped him keep. I mean, obviously, part of just the way you're put together, but. But but uh, of the lieutenants, he in my mind was clearly the one that was closest to the enlisted guys, and so when they suffered, it hurt him the most. Yeah, right. Ken, yes. Banner Brothers came out 
around 2001. 2001. Do you have a top 10? I do. I do. 2001 was an important year. As (laughs) is my normal procedure, a few movies that came out that year, which I want to note, they weren't in the top 10, but here goes a few. If you have any comments, just toss them out. A Beautiful Mind, the Russell Crowe sort of psychological drama about a genius, tortured genius. Didn't realize that was that old. Yeah, 2001. I like Russell Crowe. I actually like him a lot. Went to the theaters and saw it. It's also got the gorgeous Jennifer Connelly in it, too. Well, that that did not hurt. No. No, I can pretty much watch Jennifer Connelly in about anything. (laughs) Even that horrific Hulk movie she was in. Uh, Ben Kingsley was in Sexy Beast, a British gritty crime drama. No one saw uh, it? I, I've read good things about it, but I've never seen it. It's good. Uh, Denzel Washington was in Training Day. Same, same thing for me. You know, uh, Steve, Steve has opinions about Training Day. Steve here. I think he took a potty break. Steve, Steve has Steve has some issues with training day, but it, and it, I think and I, I get his issues. You know, he he has some history with with law enforcement and and you know and that movie there, it's a rough ride. And, and I mean, it's a real roller coaster. I thought they did. I thought it was a great show. I mean, it's got some great actors and it. it's got Denzel Washington, it's got Ethan Hawke, um, it's got Scott Glenn. Um, and there's, uh, it's, it's got even Tom Berenger for kind of a bit role in it. And in the beginning, I mean, just like anything, you know, you're like, okay, I think this is what's happening. And then, you know, by the end, no, this is is not what's happening. I think it's very much worth a a man cave movie review. Don't argue. I think we should, we could talk about it. Uh, we talked about the movies that portray the horrors of combat and the, the, just the gore and blood that you see. And I think somebody blurted out the word Stalingrad. (laughs) Well, in 2001, Enemy at the Gates came out, a movie about the Battle of Stalingrad. And I know that people in this group have their issues with Enemy at the Gates, but I enjoyed Enemy at the Gates. I, I'm not saying we ever watch Enemy at the Gates. I do think we should all drink a bottle of vodka and watch Stalingrad. The, the Russian movie? Stalingrad? The, 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 yeah, that one. Oh, the bottle of vodka being operative to being able to watch it? Yeah, well, uh, just uh, that and a, and a revolver with one bullet in it. I mean, it's, that's a rough movie. Yes. It's a great movie. It's rough. It's a good movie, and you, your listeners that like World War II, you can get it out there on Netflix and such. Stalingrad, a German production, very well done, but very depressing. Oh, it's depressing. But, I mean, if you want a good flick with um, – um, talk about your production, uh, cinematography um, and lighting and all that. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great movie to watch. The next movie, again, haven't been in the top ten yet, but uh, I noted this when we reviewed the original because Mark, our good friend Mark, came to me and said, Ken, I'm going to go to this movie. I saw the original. It's awesome. The sequel will be awesome. You'll love it. Come with me. And I went with him to see 
The Mummy Returns. <laughs> I was going to say that, that sounds like going to see Prometheus or something. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for. I thought 2001 was that about the time of uh, that was about the time of uh, Boondock Saints. So the sequel could not be that early. Okay. Yeah, Mummy Returns pretty much sucked. The Mummy is good. Mummy no. Returns not so good. No. And poor Brendan Fraser, he was doing so good there, and I think that movie sort of threw him off stride. Uh, another movie, a military-themed movie, which came out that year, Gene Hackman was in Behind Enemy Lines. Oh, yeah. with uh, He played, he was the... Uh, with Owen uh, Wilson? Yeah. Gene Hackman was the... Aircraft carrier commander Owen Wilson Correct. was the American aviator shot down in the Balkans, having to deal with crazed Serb commandos and such. It was a good movie. I saw it. I it, it didn't. I don't remember a ton about it. It was entertaining, but yeah. You know. And finally, in two thousand one, not on the top ten, but we all agree it probably should have been because we reviewed it. Black Hawk Down. Oh, oh yeah, that was not a top ten movie. I'm surprised. Hmm. I am too. I watched that not too long ago. Maybe one of the best modern war films done, I can think of. Yeah. Getting into the top ten. All right. At number ten, we have Hannibal. The Hannibal uh, Lecter. Oh. Never saw. saw Serial killer. This the first one? No. Uh, well, Silence of the Lamb, then Hannibal. Oh, gotcha. Spin-off okay. series. Is this one with Gary Oldman where he's disfigured? I don't know. No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, Band of Brothers, as we said, has a Wahlberg in it. Uh, the number nine movie in 2001 had Mark Wahlberg. It's the, as I like to refer to it, I can't, I rip this off. It's the Marky Mark and the Monkey Bunch movie. Planet of the Apes remake. It sucked. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I saw. I went. In the, I saw that in the theater with Mark. And I was there too. Yeah, you were there too. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Sad. Good production values. Lots of money. Yep. A lot of big stars. Yep. Uh, yeah. Disappointing. Was Heston in that? Briefly? Yes. He, yes. He played an ape yeah. in that, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you even had the Heston throwback, and it's like, tune. No, that was bad. <laughs> I saw the original at the drive-in. <laughs> How are you surprised? Yeah, you saw double feature with the the enforcer, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, drive-ins back then. Wow. Yeah, they had drive-in. That's where you saw the great Texas. We wrote we rode our horseless carriage to that. There we go. <laughs> All right, continue, Ken. At number eight, we had Jurassic Park 3, which I saw at the theaters. Wow. Not Uh, of the, you know, they rebooted it. They're redoing Jurassic Park movies, but uh, this put the kibosh on the original Jurassic Park series. Jurassic Park 1 was great. Jurassic Park 2 was okay. Jurassic Park 3, they're cashing checks. Yeah, uh, it was painful. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I had Tia Leone in it, which sadly, Tia Leone is a, a lot of people see her as a good actress, and she's had a lot of good roles, but a lot of big movies. But 
She always looks like she's overdosed on cough medicine or something. I don't know. <laughs> she was probably still married to David Duchovny at that point uh, in time. That's before uh, she yeah. divorced because of his sex addiction, as I recall. She was. Oh, at number seven, I my research and list making fails me because number seven was The Mummy Returns. It'd wow. be that. It'd be that. It'd be that Black Hawk Down. <laughs> there's a lot of silly people in the world. Mm. Well, you know, there's another number six is a movie that actually ties in directly to Band of Brothers because you know, Band of Brothers was set in World War II. America got into World War II when the Japanese <laughs> bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Berlin. <laughs> Pearl Harbor, the uh, Michael Bay movie with Ben Affleck, Kate Beckinsale, and Cuba Gooding Jr. I went to that on a date. Pearl Harbor and the Doolittle Raid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same movie. Same movie. You know, I was in to go in to see Titanic and that travesty. Yeah. It's hard to believe Bay Bay does 13 hours and then he does Pearl Harbor, but hey. Go on, Ken. Don't, 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 don't sidetrack. Ocean's (laughs) 11. Hmm. I saw on TV. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, it had two sequels. I mean, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, you know, and a cast of at least 11 other people. Don Cheadle. Good cast. Yeah, solid, solid heist movie. Elliot, uh, what's his name? Um, Gould. Oh, yes. And number four. Uh, I love this movie. I think it's great, and it was unique. Shrek. (laughs) I agree. I love Shrek. I like Shrek. Yeah. What? What? I'm going to make waffles. <laughs> Is that what you're crunching on right now? I like waffles. <laughs> I think somebody's tapping out Titanic. Yeah, we've got a typewriter going. Who doesn't like waffles? All right, uh, there I you go. I love waffles. At uh, number zero. three, we have Monsters, Inc. You know, I've never seen it. There's also a another Pixar. Entertainment. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I, I, I figured Jeff has seen it. Are you? Oh, I've seen, I've seen all this shit. You're the target but demographic. It's all Bugs Life. Yeah. I don't think I had this at the time. Okay. At number two, a movie which we all watch. As a matter of fact, we've commented about Jeff. Oh, because Lord. the whole gang gathered at the theater to watch this movie. <laughs> At seven, the show began, and we're going, where's Jeff? And Jeff comes walking out with his famous line of, when you see Liv Tyler, you can hit the can, dudes. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Didn't I just get back in line with you guys and go right back? Oh, you back left. You, you said, it was like, we were all going to get this, go see it at seven, so... The rest of us got there at the restaurant. We had dinner. We went to the theater. We're waiting there. Seven o'clock's coming. You come out and go like, well, I got here at 11. I've seen it like three times already. So you see Liz Tyler, but I'm going home. I'm going home. 
It was a good movie. <laughs> <clears throat> and there you go. <laughs> then finally, at number one, a very important movie in a whole lot of ways, set up a franchise. I see little children dressing up like these people. Is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, wow. Yeah. When these, they were still little kids. Yeah. You know, the, the, the movies, the movies were okay. They were well cast. Yes. Um, and the, the stories themselves, um, I, I just I think J.K. Rowling um, did a. I've read all the books, I loved them. Thought I mean, she she had a very creative way of basically cliffhangering stuff. And I mean, hell, at the end of every chapter, it just made you want to go on to the next one. She did a beautiful job, but the the movies themselves, they they could not possibly capture the the whole essence of the books and all the, all the juicy detail that she put into them. But they, they did a, they did with what they could and they did it pretty well. They did enough that I see all these little kids dressed up in little Hogwarts outfits all over the place around Halloween. I'm glad to see we have another, you know, franchise that has, you know, you know, taken our culture by storm with, you know, outside of star Wars. Well, that's it. That was 2001 in film uh a good year a lot of a lot of uh movies i enjoyed very nice there you go folks that is it with the uh the band cave movie review of 20 or 2001 now we're going on to the checklist of this great and fantastic film let's see number one Anyone going out a window? Pieces of a guy probably went out the window when that mortar hit that sniper up in the, that one building. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. They're most, I mean, episode six, they're pretty much all in the woods. Yeah. A couple runs into town, but the windows have all been smashed out. Yeah. Yeah, they just were gone. All right, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in this movie? No. No. I agree. No. And, and There's one woman in this movie, and she was essential for the, the story. So. Yes, I yes. agree. I agree. Let's see. <laughs> was there a Wilhelm scream in this Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? No. I'm going to bet that it... The sound tech tried to insert a Wilhelm scream in this particular production. Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks would have like stuffed a bag over his head, yeah. dragged him in the alley, and beat him senseless. And I apologize. Well, you, could have, you could have buried one in here. Nobody would have ever heard it. Yeah, I apologize. I I cannot chuckle every time I play that. Yep. All right, so let's see. Uh, next. <laughs> here I go again. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Yes. Mm-hmm. The actress did a fine job. But she did. She did. Tony Katane. I would not. Catchy. I would not believe Tony Katane is hanging around Bastogne. Not draped over a jeep. 
with uh, she draped over a car in the video, wouldn't she? Yeah. Here we go. All right. Move along. Okay. Move next. Was there a montage in this movie? No. I don't think there was a montage in the entire series. No. No. It's not a montage type thing. Right. All right. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Muncie? No! Really? None? Nothing? No. With the massive cast and everything? Well, there was a Battlestar Galactica reference, but that's about yes. it. That's about it. It's outer space. Jamie Bomber. Mm, he fair. played Lieutenant Foley. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, there is uh, no B5 reference. So that is it with the uh, the man cave. Sound like you've been hanging out in the woods on a frostbitten Long, night. Longer. I hope you all die. <laughs> all right. Three, two, one. All right. There you go. That is it with uh, the Bad Cave Movie Checklist. We are now moving on to our Did you say review or we view. <laughs> Ozzy Razzy. <laughs> Time for a limerick. Steve, I know, I know you hate him. Pretty much we all do, but you know, you got to persevere. If those guys at Bastogne can fight their way through it, you can fight your way through this. As Chief Dan George once said, endeavor <laughs> to persevere. <laughs> Strive for greatness. As Billy Jack once said. I'm going to put my foot right here. Dare to be great, Steve. Dare to be great. Two. <laughs> you know, the, One, three, five. Uh, the thing uh, of it is, when we started this podcast, I thought Jeff and I, we would kick this thing off together. And it's like, oh, this would be a great idea. I look back going, I have sold my soul to Satan. What have I done? It's now I like all say the- at nine ten. I could go at nine thirty, but no, nobody else was ready. Ken was, of course. No, it's like all of a sudden, it's like it is. He's like the little. He's like the little minion, you know, like the little devil that just never. Li- That's what you are now. All I'm right. no longer a penny on the rail. I've now graduated to a minion. Yeah, you're you're, you're Steve's minion. Oh God. <laughs> Maybe they'll make a movie about you. You wear a yellow little yellow suit and one eye glasses. That's our thing. Oh my grew. <laughs> hey Jeff, I'm there's something I'm surprised you missed in this movie. Michael oh, Kamen. Michael Kamen. Oh, oh the music. You know, I actually have a little bit of Michael Kamen on my oh because um, the the well, I'm glad you brought that up. The um, the the music is it it's haunting at times. Um, it it definitely 
you know, it, it definitely puts you in the scene, very similar to what we had talked about with our last um, movie where, where the, 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 the music was influential and you have, um, you have that here, same thing. And through the score is, I mean, I think it, I think it won, won an award, um, <clears throat> because, uh, it did, you know, the, um, I have three parts. The main title is, is, is very moving. Um, the scene in Austria is great. And then, uh, um, taste of it I mean, it's just it's just very well done it's subtle it's never really in your face but it just captures the moment what'd you think of it brian i thought the music was great i did i thought it, i mean uh, i'll be honest i get a little uh, i get a lump in my throat every time i hear the uh, theme i just do all right, there you go. That is it with uh, the Man Cave Movie Review. The, uh, what, what have we done? Uh, 18? Is this okay. 18? All right. 19, isn't uh, yeah. it? No. I, I think. I don't know. Yeah. All right, there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 219, I think it is. We've done the uh, the checklist. or We haven't done the review. We haven't done the review. So... Um, nope, we haven't. We haven't done a review, I, so Ken, Ken needs to take this one away because I'm, I'm going to say someone else should. I did a pretty long introduction, but I like to hear what somebody else has to say about it. All right, all right, Jeff, what do you think about this great, fantastic film? Pass. I think Brian. You know what Brian needs to? He's sober. He's the one that can give the coherent review. Wow, Brian, what do you think? Well, I mean it. it I mean, we've said we've said a lot about this, and uh, I think these two episodes are considered probably the kind of the high point and the low point, frankly, for Easy Company. But in terms of the the series, everybody seems to talk about episode seven as, as being pretty important, and I would I would I would agree. I mean, you, you saw the the platoon at its most critical juncture when it was closest to failing, if you will. Um, I, uh, I mean, there's no way to put it. This is an, Jeff, I think you're right. This may rank up there. Some of the best things that Hollywood's ever done, period, overall. Uh, it, it's fabulous. I love the actors and I love the characters. And you, it may, it makes you, I read the book, Ken, and, you know, which adds to this, obviously. Uh, you really feel like you get to know these guys. And uh, it's, it is, it is an exceptional piece of work, and it doesn't have any flaws. I mean, the music's great. The characters are great. Um, I love it. I truly love it. And um, if I'm going to give it, I, I, I'm going to have to give this a nine and a half, nine and three quarters. Ken, what do you think? We've talked, like Brian said, we've talked about it a lot. Sort of a thing I touched on at the beginning is you can sit there and you can throw little nitpicky things and go like, well, he really didn't do this or that really didn't go down like that. But I don't care about that. The way they presented this, the way they filmed it feels a lot like Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. This movie, or this series, keep saying movie, uh, the 
It has a continuity. You get to see people come together. It can throw you because of the big cast. I mean, you got to pay attention. I mean, and it does have that problem. You you get to know the guy. Oh, I like this character. Boom, he's dead. His leg got blown off. He's he's got transferred. He's gone. Uh, but this is a study of men in combat, the bonding that they go through. It's the result of a lot of historical research and a lot of care and attention that went into the details, the equipment, the vehicles, the way people talk, the way people acted. The stories are all, to me, very compelling. And I don't need to pull punches or anything. I'll just give this a flat out 10. Wow. It's, it's awesome. Boom. So I, I'm proud to say I think it's a 10. What miniseries is, am I going to say is better? Like sort of Brian says, Lonesome Dove's a great miniseries. It's up there too. But I'm not competing with Lonesome Dove right now. I'm just talking about this. And I really love this miniseries. So that's a 10. Well, I'm going to jump in and I will say I, I, I saw this series. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, so watching it again kind of brought back memories. These two particular episodes that we pulled out for this show really stuck out with me because it really centered on the medic. And like I said, you know, earlier, I mean, this is a guy when everybody's hunkered down, taking fire, you know, these are the guys that are just running out in the open. It's like medic, they're boom, they got to go. They got to go out there. And it's like, God, I mean, can you imagine the courage that you had to have when everybody else is like hunkered down? No, I got to go out there. You have to expose yourself. I, it, it just, ugh. you know, those guys, I, uh, I don't know how those guys did it. Um, and this, and like you said, the series really kind of showed, uh, the reality of that. So I would, Ken, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with a 10 on these. These are, these are pretty solid. Um, I have to go back and watch the others because it's been a lot of years, obviously since these came out, but um, yeah, I agree. Solid 10. Jeff. Hey, thanks Steve. Sure. Um, this series it it, it mean it it just it means a lot to me and one of the reasons is as ken pointed out early on or as brian <clears throat> that this came out this aired uh right before 9 11 and i was um this series kind of got me through that time period because it was the one thing I would look forward to each and every week on HBO was on Sunday nights when this would come on, I could, I could, I could go and watch it. And I looked forward to it cause I loved it. And it took me away from, you know, the, the, just the, the, the horrendous news that is coming out over the next several weeks. Um, you know, there, one thing I, when, when I, when I watched this show, uh, especially episode six, and one thing I didn't, I didn't, I want to take a second to talk about is, 
it, we, we had said that every episode um, has its own feel and look and uniqueness to it. And the, the, the amazing thing about episode six is it starts off, we talked, to, we, we talked about how music and sound are very important. And this episode starts off really without any sound because it takes place in the snow. And we've all been, well, not we all, I shouldn't say that. Us that live in climate that will have snow have, have been for walks in an area with where there is a lot of snow. And there is a certain level of silence or stillness to that. Yep. And episode six, at times, they're in the course of battle in, in, in a war zone, and they still capture that capture that essence of the quietness of a snow-filled forest or meadow or whatever. And it, I, I'm constantly reminded of it throughout that episode. Um, it's something that it, it's it's such a difference from the war that we've been watching for five episodes up to this point. And it, there's there's sort of a calm and a peace, but when that peace is broken, I mean it is it is truly hell, and and it's it, it it's it's truly an amazing episode. Not my favorite episode. Uh, my favorite episode is the one right before this. My favorite episode is Crossroads, and um, and 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 possibly the last episode um, where. They take the eagle's nest, um, because we, you know, the the story kind of ends, and there's there's a lot more that goes on. But um, every episode in this series is 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 amazingly well done, Um, and because of that, um, I I I, and I and I said from the beginning, this is a this is the the best. I mean, you can't, I've given all, you know, a number of movies like, uh, like the bad and the ugly and a couple others, you know, some tens and this, this tops them. So this, this has to be what? 10 point at least Oh one. So yeah, I at least definitely concur with you guys that this is at least a 10, if not the pinnacle and everything else should try to take notes from it. And essential viewing for nearly every, at least every American, if not every human being. Wow. Well, thanks, Jeff. So there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 219. We are at 219, guys. Wow. Amazing. 81 away. 81 away from Deep Blue Sea, buddy. So one of our listeners, Scott, made reference to Deep Blue Sea this week. <laughs> Son saying. of a bitch, must be. I, I know. <laughs> Just saying. We've got some funny listeners out there. I know. I mean, Jeff, I mean, you know, just look, cyanide capsules. I mean, you yeah. just save it for the you know last day. I mean, that's your option. <laughs> All right. So that's it for Man Cave Movie Review, episode 219. Follow us on Facebook. On Twitter and on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. I'm your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my good and dear friend. Ken, I don't care if it's five below outside. Shave that peach fuzz off. Roni. The amazing thing wasn't that Steve ran through and out of the podcast, but the amazing thing was he ran back.
Nice. Nice. All right. And uh, also saying farewell and adieu is our other good and dear friend, Jeff. Uh, it burns when I pee needles. Muncie. <laughs> Uh, the sad thing is, is I'm allergic to penicillin. So um, you're screwed. I guess I'd be fucked. <laughs> A hammer will take care of things. <laughs> <laughs> and last and certainly not least is our other good new friend, the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. You know, man, it's been a long podcast. It's been a tough podcast. You podcast proudly for your country. Your special group. You, we've found each other a bond. We've shared, well, we've held each other in dire moments. <laughs> we've died on this. We've died on the podcast together. I'm proud yeah. to serve with each and every one of you. You all deserve a long and happy couple of weeks. Oh my God. That's actually you that German general speech or what? Yeah. Wow, that's probably the most poignant uh, exit from one of these uh, shows that we've had. So there you go. That's it, folks. That is it with episode 219. Hope you enjoyed the show. We will be back for another great and fantastic review. Until then, ciao.